Welcome to episode 24 of the Self-Care 101 podcast with your host, Pooja K. McClymont, helping people achieve their full potential with effective self-care through wellbeing coaching. Thank you so much for listening today. On this episode, I'm going to talk about how we can be judgmental, how that affects and creates anxiety, and I'm also going to offer mindfulness meditation techniques that you can use to help better manage these deep-rooted feelings. Deep-rooted habits can be a block to happiness. Whilst practicing mindfulness meditation is the most effective way to dissolve the force of habit, we can make a start by bringing compassionate attention to our habits. I know you might be surprised that I'm using mindfulness in this podcast, but my bag of tricks extends to various therapies, and this is probably one of the most effective for challenging deep-rooted beliefs. It can feel at times as if our lives are living us rather than we are living our lives. Autopilot, as we've seen, takes our choices away from us without our consent. So if you're in a constant state of doing rather than being, this is what we're talking about. Bad habits are reactions to situations laid down in your body and mind like the rings in a tree trunk. So imagine a tree trunk and all its rings. To be reactive is to think, act or feel instantaneously without allowing yourself a moment to let the situation sink in. How many times have you decided the outcome of a situation without actually seeing what the reality is, what's actually happening, what's actually being said? As a result, a reflex that's developed over time and has become as ingrained as a tree's rings repeats itself without your having a say in the matter. So you're reacting unconsciously because it's so deep rooted that you can't even decipher the rationale between your decision on something and the actual reality of it. Each occasion on which this happens reinforces the pattern. Habits get stronger over time. So you'll end up being in your 40s, repeating the same habits, doing the same thing year in, year out, day in, day out, without even realizing it. It's powerful stuff. Mindfulness gives us the tools to recognize habitual thoughts and reactions and let them pass through consciousness without effect. That's a heavy line, I know that. (laughs) Even I had to write it down. I'm going to say it again. Mindfulness gives us the tools to recognize habitual thoughts and reactions and let them pass through consciousness without effect. With mindfulness meditation, we can start to get our choices back, but we need to be persistent with our practice once we've begun, since habit... (laughs) will always try to reassert itself. So when you're working with me, when clients come to me about a particular situation and over time through the sessions, I start seeing patterns in behavior through their experiences as they're living life. I find this very interesting because a lot of the time clients come for one reason with regards to their goals and As we progress into sessions, we discover that actually there are some fundamental barriers that are holding them back from achieving those goals. They're perfectly capable to achieve those goals, but there are barriers that are holding them back. And usually these barriers are very deep rooted habits, thoughts, beliefs that we need to identify and we need to adjust for the reality of today. 
Now you can only dislodge deep-seated habits of thinking and feeling over time, and particularly with a course of mindfulness meditation. So I highly recommend this practice if you know you've got some really deep-rooted thoughts and behaviors that you just can't break consciously. You can prepare for this by making changes to some of your unproductive outer habits, the things that you do routinely, unquestioningly. So some things that will come up even if, as we're talking right now, you might be thinking, oh yeah, I always assume the worst in a situation. So let's have a very simple example. Somebody messages you, says, I'm doing this event, come along next Friday, I'd love to have you there. You think, oh, it's only a week's notice, so did you even want me to be there? Clearly not, that's why you've given me a last minute invite. But those aren't the facts. The person has just invited you to something with a week's notice. That might be their own disorganisation to be inviting someone at such short notice. But those thoughts that you're having in your mind are not facts. Those are things that you've just react to because they're so ingrained in you. We're exposed every day to a countless flow of phenomena, things we hear, read, observe or perceive in other ways. So all that distraction that I talk about, that's what we're talking about here. And much of this information can be useful, suggesting new options for us to take up or new paths to follow, but only if we're willing to attend to it. By a process known as selective perception, we filter out stimuli that don't fit into our image of our own lives. This is very key. I get told sometimes that I have selective hearing. Now I consciously have selective hearing. I actually actively have selective hearing because sometimes I just need to block out the noise that's coming at me. And that noise could be something that my mum's saying to me, something that my husband's saying, something that a colleague is saying. And I don't like what I'm receiving. I don't like what I'm hearing. So I have to kind of ignore it, selectively hear what's happening, so I don't take it on emotionally. I will still hear what they've had to say. I just haven't listened. So what I will do is later on, I'll reflect on what they've said, and then I can process my feelings towards it more rationally because I have deep-rooted habits of criticism so self-criticism high criticism from external people and this is something that I had from childhood so I know that it creeps up whenever anybody says something horrible about me it really hurts me to my core and over time I've learned that that is something that's a deep-rooted challenge if you like that I have so I have to be selective in my hearing and I have to take that time away to reflect so that I can actually give a more rational response. From time to time, it pays to pull back and take in a wider angle view of the world. Perspective, this is something I talk about a lot, looking at the world differently, because we might then see more fulfilling options that are available and those could help us lead fuller lives. To realize our potential is, in part, to say goodbye to false identities and live more authentically, finding our true selves. I mean, this is what we talk about when we're talking about authenticity and my authentic self. It's learning who you are as a person, not who you are because you were conditioned that way from the thoughts, beliefs, and fears that were given to you as a child. So. This is a very big topic and it's very serious and I I would 
ask you to look into mindfulness meditation to help you if you know that there are barriers that you just can't break through because it is very, very helpful. One of the habits many of us have is keeping endlessly busy. (laughs) I know this resonates with a lot of you. Throwing ourselves into action to avoid making time for contemplation. I'm going to give you a simple example here. When you're commuting to work, how many of you are listening to music, listening to podcasts, watching what's happening on social media, watching a video, watching, I don't know, a a current series you're watching on Netflix or something, reading the paper, reading a book, constantly, avoiding time for contemplation. Unconsciously, we fear that introspection might force us to face uncomfortable truths about ourselves. Kind of true. Yes, it does. But if you are in that state of contemplation more often, it's going to be less overwhelming to think about the truths about ourselves. And I mean, do we not all want to be better people, better than we are today? I think if you're listening to podcasts like this, you do. So if that's the case, then some introspection is actually beneficial in the long run. Work specifically provides a compelling distraction. We stay late at the office, telling ourselves that we need to put in the hours to compete with colleagues or to impress the boss. But in truth, so much of our identity is tied up with work that we'd feel lost without it. How many of us feel that way? I felt that way. God, that's what caused me to burn out. Like, work is everything when you meet someone for the first time after the how are you and introduction of your name it tends to be what do you do when you go on a date what do you do <gasps> my gosh being overburdened by tasks may also be unconsciously attractive because it gives us an excuse to be selective what does that mean i mean how are you how can we want to be overburdened with tasks And then find that an attractive way to be selective about who we spend time with. So here's an example. Might have issues with a family member that we know we should address in a long heart-to-heart chat. But we fear the buried emotions such as such a conversation might dredge up. So, I mean, it's going to dredge up stuff from the past, isn't it? So we tell ourselves that we can't make time for it. And then what happens? nothing, right? (laughs) Nothing happens. And yet you keep coming back to the same situation over and over again, but you're never addressing it. Another common habitual thought pattern is the tendency to make quick judgments about people we meet and then stick to them, even though they are based on extremely flimsy evidence. This is something that I've done in my past. This is something that I know a lot of us do very unconsciously. It's, it's, Passing judgment just seems to be a really common trait in people that I've been meeting over the years. I don't know why, maybe I'm attracting it, I don't know, but it seems very common. And when I'm talking to people on social media and stuff, I also find that they're finding that judgment, they don't like to be judged by other people, but yet they're being judged. And obviously social media is perpetuating judgment through this false vanity (laughs) perception. It's just terrible. So when we've got like flimsy evidence, we're making judgments about people without really knowing them. It's it's not fair. And in fact, giving people the chance to be who they really are in that moment is an attitude that follows on naturally from mindfulness. 
So just letting the person be who they are and just observe them. You don't have to react, you don't have to engage, you certainly don't have to engage negatively, but you don't need to engage in the judgment that's automatically coming into your mind. As a counterweight to this tendency, try seeing people with fresh eyes. So ask them questions that you wouldn't normally ask and solicit their opinions. Listen attentively to what they have to say. Your perceptions will almost certainly expand beyond the blinkered view you started with. It's giving people a chance. I talk about this a lot when I have clients coming to me about relationships. There's a, I want him to be like this, this, this and this. And I want her to be this, this, this and this. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. That's good to have an idea of what you're looking for. But beyond that, where are you going to make compromises? What are you going to be more compassionate about and that then becomes a whole new space to explore. (laughs) Given the limitations of our understanding it's hardly surprising when people turn out to be nicer than we thought. Now this is something you can do like if you're the new person in a job or somebody new comes into work and into the working environment so you guys are all used to each other you know everybody's qualms But then this new person comes along and it's like, hmm, I wonder if they're going to fit in. It's a good thing to think about, actually, because a lot of us can be judgmental without even realizing how judgmental we are. We make our minds up about people without really, really knowing them. So giving others a chance is a really important trait to learn about ourselves. So I've put together a couple of habits, five habit looseners, we'll call them, that can help you to be your more authentic self. And it's authenticity is not just about you. It's also about the quality of your relationships. Getting used to making lifestyle changes like this, that that's what prepares you for the way of, for the work that you'll need to do to get deeper on your autopilot reactions. So this is a nice little suite of techniques you can do and I'll just read them out to you. So one, appreciate kindness when people show it. Tell them that their kindness matters to you. Two, listen to people's stories and with your full attention, not just politely but because it really matters. Three, ask a colleague their opinion about something, not a work question but something beyond your normal range of conversational topics. Four, Talk to anyone who approaches you in the street, whether they're begging, trying to sell something or doing a survey. Five, don't take mobile phone calls when you're with someone. Concentrate fully on being with them. Those are very, very simple things you can do. There was the Be Kind movement, which has just started after Caroline Flack's passing. And showing kindness to strangers is key we can also show kindness to the people we already know you know like when we think about this it's these seem like really simple things that we should already be doing but so many of us aren't and that's where we get into trouble with our feelings and kind of boarding the hamster wheel of our lives not really go going anywhere we feel like we're doing stuff but it's not actually achieving anything all it's doing is making us more stressed out more busy more tired more cranky more miserable and that's not what we're put here for let's let's do more with our lives so have a go with those five very simple things towards to help you get towards more a more authentic self 
I want to now move on to anxiety and how to put anxiety into perspective because we don't always realize but when we have these judging thoughts these judgmental feelings thoughts that have been you know so deep rooted we have no control over them it's actually perpetuating anxiety and so when we're actually looking at how to be less judgmental we actually need to look at anxiety as well as a whole because it all feeds into each other we all worry at some points in our lives even though we know that anxiety makes it harder to be happy but for some anxiety and the tension it causes in mind and body persists to the point of interfering with daily life i've seen this myself with in my practice with clients i've seen this with friends and it can be really overwhelming Fear is an emotional response to a real threat. So, for example, being confronted by a, let's say, a mugger, and you are, you're going to elicit fear. Death is going to elicit fear. Facing failure, that's all going to elicit fear. Anxiety is closely related to fear, and it's caused by stressful situations, which can be real or imagined. If your imagination is vivid, that's a blessing in a way, but it may also make your anxieties even more painful. So let's look at an anxious type. Many people suffer from a kind of generalized anxiety, which even small issues are likely to set off. But how this process works is not completely understood by psychologists, but there seem to be certain factors that can increase our tendency to be anxious. A history of prolonged stress and past traumas seems to be a possible influence. Genetic makeup may also come into play. Another powerful driver is a company of people suggesting directly or through their behaviour that life abounds in threats or that worry is a useless tool for averting problems. I mean, that's, uh, you can't just tell somebody not to worry if that's all they know, if that's what they have lived a life of, that's not going to work, it's not going to be helpful. Anxious people also tend to be those with an avoidant coping style, so they're going to steer clear of situations they'd be likely to, you know, react with, um, react to with negative emotions. So, we all have a little bit of anxiety within us, you know, but there are, there, I would say there's an anxiety scale. Now, anxiety awareness, this is something that we don't all really understand. Some people can say that they struggle with anxiety and a lot of others actually can't. Now, as always with emotional reactions, understanding is the first step in learning to dissolve the pattern of harm. So anxiety operates by applying a problem-solving approach to the unknowable future using a lot of, now hear this, what-if questions, what if I miss that train, that kind of thing, what if he doesn't call back, what if she doesn't call me out to go for drinks. And sometimes anxiety feeds off itself. What if I'm so anxious in the meeting that I can't speak my mind? So you're like, you're chasing a worrying thought and we end up entertaining like just ridiculously imagined disaster scenarios, but those aren't the facts, that's not reality. At the same time as pursuing unhelpful trains of thought, worriers may avoid confronting their anxieties in the real world. Avoidance, though, only perpetuates anxieties. So I talk about 
perspective and no sorry I talk about procrastination which is also avoidance of something and actually when we keep avoiding something we actually get more stressed out by it and then we start getting more anxious by it and we're in this cycle and I'm not laughing at you because this is something that I do as well that we it's just so ingrained in us that we do it and until you know how to like sort of stop it in its tracks it, it can really, really take hold and take you somewhere that's so unhelpful. And it really doesn't help you get to the goals that you're working towards. It really doesn't. So the part that mindfulness can play in dealing with our anxieties, in addition to building our resilience through meditation, centers around two main approaches. First, it can help us identify the false and unhelpful means we often use to deal with or suppress our worries. And second, by focusing our attention on the present and encouraging us to let go of thinking about the future. It can train us to come to terms with uncertainty. Thinking about the future. You know, we're in school and we're told very early on, you know, you've got to decide which GCSEs you're going to do. Then it's which A-levels you're going to do. But your GCSEs and your A-levels determine which degree you're going to do, which determines which career you're going to have. So by the age of 16, you kind of need to know the answers to your life in terms of work. I mean, when we reflect upon it when we're older, we can hear how ridiculous that sounds. So... When you know that, you can also see how early these responses to living in the future come from. And then once we've got the degree, got the job, I mean, whichever path you take, but you've, you're working at this point and then you're working to pay bills. So you're going to live in a house. Are you going to buy that house or you're going to be renting it? Most likely we're working towards buying a house and then we're filled with thoughts of oh but then I need to get married and then I need to have children and then I need to holiday here and then I need to do this and I need to and you're just in a constant state of being in the future but never really in the present now it's okay to have goals it's okay to want to progress in your career and buy a house and have children and get married all of that is fine but where we tend to harm ourselves in the process is when we don't actually live in the present. So we're never really enjoying the process of achieving that goal. We just want the goal to have happened. And often when we do eventually get that goal, we feel unfulfilled. We don't actually feel happy at the end of it. So let's let's think about a business that works a CEO works really hard, has a very successful business in terms of growth and, and numbers, and then he can buy anything and everything he wants. He's got the wife, he's got the kids, he's got the yacht, he's got all the sports cars, he has everything. And he comes home at night and he's miserable. He's miserable because he didn't enjoy the process of getting them. He just needed to get them. And then getting them may have just been a status symbol, may have just been even for himself a status symbol that, oh, look what I've achieved with all of my hard work, which is fine again. But if you can't enjoy the process of achieving those goals, you're going to achieve the goals and then be unhappy with them because they're never going to fulfill the expectation you had for the feeling you expected it to give you. Yep, I said it. <laughs> we build up this expectation of what the happiness is going to be when you achieve that goal. So 
let's give an example of being in a relationship if you've been single for a while and you're finally dating someone you enjoy and you look forward to getting to you know that sort of cushy relationship status and you're there but then you're like hmm okay okay yeah I've got everything I wanted but I don't know I still don't feel happy And it's because you haven't enjoyed the process. You haven't taken in that life is in the present. It's not actually in the future. Remember, the past and the future don't exist. There is no tomorrow. It's always just now. And when you can start thinking about just being in the now, just being in the present, just taking everything in your stride and, I mean, breathing through it all, you know, nothing has to be absolute. You start building within yourself this level of happiness and then that feeds into the whole self-love concept that breathe, that then feeds into your self-worth, your self-esteem, your self-confidence. All of that starts working together so that deep-rooted habits can dissipate and more of what you want, your authentic self, can start to emerge. I hope that's been useful. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Self Care 101 podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you would subscribe and review so that other people like you can find the show. For more tips and tricks, you can follow me on the socials at Frankly Coaching or visit my website to find out more about my coaching programs and how to work with me at franklycoaching.com.